Thank you for listening to our Celebration Sermon Podcast. Celebration is a worshiping community within Heart of White Ministries. We gather at 9 a.m. in the Red Brick Church Building on the Heart of White Campus on the corner of 160th and Lakewood in Holland, Michigan. We invite you to join us in person when you are able. To learn more about our Celebration community in Heart of White Ministries, please visit heartofwhite.com. Last week, I talked about the message of the Bible being like a Netflix streaming series, 66 seasons, a number of episodes in each season, a collection of stories and characters. Well, today we come kind of to the end of a particular group of episodes, you'd say, stories in the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, and this is an end of the season double episode, Elizabeth delivers the baby. That's how things started off. And now the baby, John the Baptist, is delivered, and there's events related to that. And then Zechariah, the dad, I'll talk about him a little later. Zechariah, the dad, sings a song first to God and secondly about his newborn son. This morning, I'm going to focus on just the first part of that, but I wanted to give you the fuller context so that you can think of what's led up to this moment and what follows it. There was the announcement of a baby's birth, nearly impossible at that age. There's the birth of the baby, and now the dad just sings. Out of appreciation and reverence, let me ask you to stand, and I'll read to you from Zechariah's song. Luke chapter 1, verse 67 is where it begins. John's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. He did this to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's be seated. Our Father in heaven, thank you that as Luke gathered these stories centuries ago, confirmed them with eyewitnesses, then recorded them, and as in amazing ways they've been preserved across the centuries now. Thank you that we can open them and read and learn and appreciate and be taught. But Holy Spirit, just as you've superintended this process, now bring it to fruition. Guard your people from my brokenness instead illumine our hearts and minds to receive the message of the gospel, your good word. Thank you that all these stories weave together across centuries to this moment to remind us of the birth of one who would redeem. Thank you for your visit. Visit us once again, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. As I was kind of praying and meditating through this passage, I've been using this Lectio Divina process of a Bible reading and meditation quite regularly through these stories. It works real well. 
I'm reminded and drawn back in my own memory and experience to a day in my own life. It was the birth of our second. Uh, we were living on the Gulf Coast of Louisiana among the Cajun people. About a third of the folks in my congregation spoke French as a first or second language. And this was our second baby, so we'd kind of been through this before. And I remember Mary Lynn waking me up on the Saturday before Palm Sunday. I remember that date because it was two weeks before this baby was due. Not a thing was packed or ready. She said, you know, I, th I think I'm in labor. Oh, don't worry. She'd had, you know, and we'd had this baby. The first one we had to drive across a 24-mile bridge on Lake Pontchartrain. We got this. I, I think it's now. So eventually I got up and suggested she, no, I won't take a shower. It's now. So I started to get a little nervous. I remembered her sister had had all three babies at home. So I probably ought to pay attention to this. And I started gathering things and I got our first daughter and was thinking, watch, oh, they, it was, they were cleaning the church up. So we loaded everybody in the car. We drove towards the hospital and I took our first daughter, Nicole, and I dropped her off with friends because they were getting the church ready. It was a Saturday work day. And I took Mary Lynn, and she's kind of eyes are getting bigger, and she's timing things. And I'm already planning, okay, I got to the hospital. I, well, not to the hospital. I had to cross the bridge at by Delarge first. It was open, so I didn't have to go back around. And I got there, and i tell you something that's great about having babies with Cajuns. They've got these obstetrical nurses, is what they call them here. Down there, they just call them the nurse, yeah? She had 20 of her own babies. She, she knows this stuff, yeah? She got the grandchildren. Oh, you're going to have your grandbaby. Come on in. Oh. And she's looking at this. Mary Lynn in labor. I go to take care of the insurance. They take her off to receiving uh, Dr. Bruce Guidry, who's a friend of ours. He, we had worked together, he and I, on establishing a uh, a ministry home called the Eagle's Nest. There's a problem in South Louisiana, you'll, you'll find about four months after Mardi Gras, there's a lot of unmarried, young, pregnant women. And so we began to make provision and care for them. So I knew Dr. Bruce from that. And Bruce went in to look at Mary Lynn and he came out, his eyes were big. He said, I've got to go take care of this other patient. It's a C-section, but make sure she goes right to delivery. Bill, meet her in. And so I'm taking care of the insurance. The Cajun nurses kind of run Mary Lynn off to the delivery. And I get this and I go in there and Mary Lynn's clearly in transition. And I mean, I was glad to be there, but in those moments, I work with Mary Lynn from the shoulders up, if you get it. And I'm coaching, and she's there, and everybody's, and then I hear the baby. And those Cajun nurses are going, oh, Michelle, you've got you another daughter. Look how cute she is. And Dr. Guidry is there, and he's holding Rachel. And things continue just in that kind of panic for me. But we get up to the room and the, the lady who had the cesarean section is already there on the other side of that shower curtain they had in those hospital rooms and she's, she's still under anesthetic. Mary Lynn gets into bed and they bring our daughter and she nurses and then Rachel falls asleep and those caged nurses just pick her up and say, oh Michelle, let me take care of this baby, yeah? 
and Mary Lynn just kind of dozes. And I had this moment of profound silence and just thinking, Jesus, Rachel's okay and Mary Lynn's okay. And I think the lady on the other side of the curtain's okay. It's all worked out. I've just been a witness to the most amazing moment that a dad can ever be a part of. Wow. I think that's exactly how Zechariah, the old priest, felt in that moment. See, this story started nine months ago. He was kind of a mid-level priest, kind of a functionary, went to do his stuff at the temple. You remember in Luke 1 as it started? And he was doing his stuff, and suddenly he sees like Gabriel the angel, the same angel that spoke to Daniel five centuries earlier. Whoa. And he's saying, even though you're over the hill, you're going to have a baby. Your wife is going to have a baby. You're going to have that baby together. He comes out speechless. You remember the story. About six months into the pregnancy, uh, a kind of cousin shows up. She's saying she's a pregnant virgin. He's trying to figure this out, but they just had their baby. And if you go back and read the the passage, there's all this question about what's the name going to be, but they stuck with John, the name that the angel gave them. And now, kind of like Bill sitting in the Terrebonne Parish Hospital and going, whoa, we're okay. John is thinking, or Zechariah is thinking, it's okay. And what does he do? Filled with the Holy Spirit, he prophesies. This has been nine months of time coming. Have you ever noticed that even the great promises of God that he'll give you, those take time to be birthed. And then Elizabeth delivers. Now she was well on in years, and you've got to admit, we would call that in our day a high-risk pregnancy. But there was the baby. So he catches his breath, and he starts singing about the Lord. And in a moment, he'll sing about his boy. But right now, he's singing about the Lord. And I want to point something out to you. Listen to what he says in Luke chapter 1, verse 68. He says, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he, and there's two things here, he's come to his people and he's redeemed them. I love the King James and the uh, New Living Translation that put it this way. For he has visited his people and redeemed them. He has visited his people, and he has redeemed them. Friends, that's the gospel. The Lord visits. Now, that same word is used a little later in 78. We'll pick up some others. But it's when the Lord shows up, and it's when the Lord redeems. And if you'll read on in the text, you'll see what God does. He does it to show mercy. The gospel doesn't bring shame or demands. It brings life. Second thing is, it's to remember his holy covenant. And it's a reminder that they've been safe all along. God has been at work across not just nine months, but across hundreds of years when it was quiet and across centuries when he was at work. To show mercy, to remember his covenant, and to rescue us from the hand of our enemies. I want to tell you, one of the verses that has just moved so deeply in my heart of late is Genesis 50, 20. 
when Joseph can look at his brothers and say, though you meant it for evil, God worked it for good that many might be saved. I want to tell you, it's freeing when I can be honest that even when somebody seeks to do me harm, even when somebody does evil to me, I don't know how this works out, but God can use it for good. Wow. I'll resist evil, but I'll never fear it again. He finally wants to enable us to serve him, to join him in mission, to join the journey is what we say here at Heart of Wyke. To do it without fear, that's a, a negative perspective, and to do it in holiness and righteousness, that's the positive. Negative, positive, fully to join him in journey. It's about the Lord visits and the Lord redeems. Here's the other side of that, a deduction. Jesus was not born so that you could be happy and get what you want. Sometimes you'll be happy. Sometimes your circumstances will be tough. Sometimes you'll get what you want. Sometimes you won't. But God will be on mission. He will visit. He will redeem. We've got to remind ourselves, particularly as we come into a new year in 2024, oh gosh, can we survive it? God's kingdom is bigger than any single nation, political candidate, or agenda. Guess who's going to be king of the universe by November the 15th next year? The same king who reigns in my heart and yours. We'll shift some other political options perhaps, but King Jesus is king. Friends, we serve a God who shows up. Now, what Zechariah was singing about here would have had deep roots in the Old Testament. There's a very nuanced word. I, I won't get into all of it, but we often translate it as visit or show up or care for. And you see it spoken to Sarah in Genesis 21. One. She's been told that though she's too old for it, she's going to have a baby too. Now, the Lord was gracious to Sarah. They translate that visited her. Later on with Joseph. That same guy I just mentioned, he's about to die, and he says to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid. I will visit you, says the Lord. And then again in Exodus, uh, they're going to be reminded that the Lord visited them and heard their grief and their sorrow, their slavery. This is a God who shows up. It's also used for Hannah, another woman who could not conceive, but then by the grace of God did. And the Lord was gracious to Hannah. The ESV or the King James say, visited Hannah. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters over time. So the New Testament has a similar word. Let me just read some to you. It's used here twice in Luke in the mouth of Zechariah. In Matthew 25, Jesus writes, I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. You visited me. God shows up. Hebrews 2.6, but there is a place where it's written in the scripture, what is mankind that you were mindful of them, a person that you care for them, that you visit in the King James. They're quoting Psalm 8-4, where that same word visit is used. Friends, the gospel is about a God who shows up. 
a God who makes himself known. I love the translation, John 1.14 from the message. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. He shared life with us. We saw the glory with our own eyes, John writes, one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out from start to beginning. It was really him, friends. But he also joined in the life that we live. He offered his grace, his resources, and his purpose, and he invited us to join his mission. Years ago, I was part of an urban training uh, experience, and they gave all the guys in the group $3 and said, show up in 36 hours. We were on the street in New Orleans. Now, I was a pretty industrious kind of guy. So I used my $3 to get an overnight stay in the men's shelter, the Salvation Army men's shelter down on Magazine Street. And I remember that night. I remember all of that night. And I want to tell you something. I'm thankful for the people who do that ministry because it's a hard ministry. But because I spent the night in the Sally down on Magazine, I've never sent somebody to the homeless shelter the same way. I was there. It changes your life. It gives you, or it becomes an opportunity at least, for empathy. Can you think of the incarnation of Christmas as God's empathy? Not as demands, not as shaming, but as empathy for the human condition and brokenness. I took this definition from Wikipedia. It's very simple. Generally, empathy is described as the ability to take on another's perspective, to understand and feel and possibly even share their experience with them. God takes on our fear, our brokenness, our shame. Our, he faces our pride, our challenge, and he moves into the neighborhood. That's what the gospel of grace is. It begins with empathy, and then it brings the gospel. You see, I can't redeem someone, but I can bring the message of redemption. There's a guy who actually shared the house with Jesus growing up. His name is James. He's the half-brother of um, Jesus. Mother was Mary. And he writes in James 1.27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after, to look after orphans and widows. It's the same word, visit. Jesus used it as uh, providing the, and being with those who are sick. John used it when he talks about God visiting the neighborhood. Friends, people whose hearts have been transformed by the gospel of God's grace will see that heart express itself with behaviors like visiting. Who are you visiting? Why are you visiting them? See, it's one thing to visit somebody who can't give you anything. It's Another thing to visit grandma, because she's got the presents and the cookies. I want to call you, the gospel would bring us to neighborhoods we would never go, because that's how Jesus did it. He came to our neighborhood. My friend Robbie has been visiting neighbors where he lives. He runs a child development center for traumatized refugees in Beirut, Lebanon. And right now, there's lots of those in Beirut. 
traumatized children and refugees. He's feeding them. He and his team are providing medical care, lots of play. They're reading to them. And you know what else they're doing? Oh, they're in the neighborhood. There's empathy because they hear those, that news. They know what's happening on the border as well. But there's also the gospel of God's grace. When Robbie ministers to those kids and those mothers, he tells them about a God who showed up in a world like theirs and loved them. This is a God who didn't just send them some laws to obey down from the mountain or send them a prophet to tell them what to do because he couldn't be concerned with him. This was a God who showed up, who had brothers, who worked for a job and, did, did, and then did what only that God who moved into the neighborhood could do. He redeemed them. He made it possible for them to be reconciled rather than to seek revenge. Robbie and his family have moved into the neighborhood and are working with these refugees. Oh yeah, they feed them, but they tell them of the gospel of God's grace. Who are you visiting? What are you telling them? Who are you visiting? What are you telling them? The world will teach us about revenge or triumph. Jesus gave his life that there could be reconciliation, that there could be forgiveness. God in Jesus has visited and has redeemed us. He's called us to join him, not just to waste our lives entertaining ourselves to death. Oh, I went to college so I could get a good job. The more I am able to produce, the more I'm able to consume. The more I consume, the more I want to produce so I can consume, so I can... Wait a minute. There's more to life than just consuming. So who are you visiting and what are you bringing them? We have a visitor here this morning, by the way. His name is Jesus. He's here in the power and reality of the Holy Spirit. Now you may be nervously thinking, oh no, have I cleared my browser history on that stupid phone? Why, why? I wanna tell you friends, Jesus is here and he wants to set each of us free and then he's inviting us to go and visit and share the message. Let me pray for you, then we'll sing and we'll come to the table. Father, we thank you that Jesus has sought us out and that in the Holy Spirit, you've called us to the throne of your grace by way of the cross. We thank you that there you meet us and you love us. Thank you too that you've given us promises that you would take this, which is very simple, and in the fullness of your grace, you would meet us to love you. We come as faithful people. Faithful because we're responding to grace, your great love. Let's just stand and sing that simple line. We sing it in a chorus. Oh, come, let us adore him.
Thank you for listening. To learn how to get involved in our celebration community or how to support Hardawike Ministries, please visit us at hardawike.com.